Let's get ready for back to school night. Hi, I'm Andrea Earle. Welcome to the Building Classroom Community Podcast. In each episode, I share practical, actionable strategies that you can use to build community among the learners in your classroom so that every student feels welcome, safe, empowered, and heard. In this episode, I will share some things that I do to make back to school night a catalyst for building community in my own classroom. Now for many teachers, back to school night can be daunting. You have a short window of time to communicate a whole bunch of information to a room packed with parents, guardians, and in my district, siblings and students. Personally, I love back to school night. In fact, anytime I can get parents into my classroom, I make sure to take full advantage. No pressure, but back to school night can set the tone for your parent interactions all year long. So we wanna make sure it's a positive experience for everyone. When I was getting ready to record this episode, I tried thinking back to how many back to school night presentations I've done over the years. Between my 12 years as an elementary teacher and then another 23 as a middle school teacher, I think I've done over 100 back to school night presentations to date. Some have definitely been more successful than others. But I have learned a few things along the way, which I'm going to share with you. Let's start by how I pre prepare for the big night. Now, some of the ideas I share may, may seem rather obvious and maybe others are less so, but the truth is I plan every detail with intentionality. Like I said before, I only have a very short window and a lot I want to accomplish. So to start, I figure out my sign-in procedures. For many years, I used class rosters with a space for parents to sign in next to their child's name. That way I can match up the child to the parent and I don't have to rely on reading anyone's hand, handwriting. In order to avoid the backup at the front door while parents are trying to sign in, I would place multiple copies of the sign-in sheet on clipboards around the room. I also would color code the sheets to match the color coding of my middle school classes. I shared a little bit about my color coding system in a previous episode, but this helps me and parents know where to look for their student's name. Now, more recently, I've switched to a Google form for parent sign-in using QR codes in plastic sleeves placed around the room. Parents can come in, take a seat, get comfortable, and then quickly scan the code to complete the form. On my form, I always included the normal questions like student's name and ID number, but I also want the name of the parent completing the form or the guardian for that matter. I also ask for the best contact phone number, which I can later cross-check with the number in our SIS if needed. I also ask parents if there are any medical concerns I should be aware of, including if their child wears glasses. I also ask if there's anything specifically I can do to help their child be more successful during the year. Finally, I ask if there's anything else they would like me to know about their child, school, or non-school related? This is the question 
that bears the most fruit for me. Responses I've received over the years include a parent's recent loss of a job, a death in the family, to information that a child loves to draw, plays the accordion, or participates in folk dancing after school. Parents often share things about their child or their home situation that I may never have found out otherwise. These insights can really help me better get to know their student and to get to know them more quickly. I also prepare a one-page handout for parents that they can take with them. I find that parents like something tangible that they can refer back to because they'll be bombarded with information on back to school night. On the handout, I include an overview of the content standards and skills that we'll be covering during the year. And because I'm a math teacher, I include the mathematical practices. I also include a list of some of the executive functioning skills that I will be helping students develop or refine throughout the year and some of our classroom procedures. I also include tips to help parents support their students so they can be partners in their child's education. An example of one of my letters you'll find in my Wakelet linked in the show notes. Regarding class materials and resources, my letter also includes a link to a video demonstrating how parents can log into and navigate our Canvas course in order to access students' assignments and grades. Lastly, I include my contact information. Now, one thing I will explain during the more formal part of my back to school night presentation is that if a student has concerns about a grade or an assignment, I want the student to contact me directly and CC the parent so the parent's aware of the interaction. I feel that self-advocacy is such an important part of executive functioning, but it can be very difficult for students. Often, parents will quickly send off an email because it's the most expedient way to get information to me or ask me a question, but I really want students to be doing this for themselves. That's why one of the lessons that I do the first couple of weeks of school involves how to write an email to the teacher or to another adult. I also demonstrate for students respectful ways to ask for help when they're struggling. But we'll talk more about executive functioning in another episode. So in conjunction with the handout, I also create a Google Slides presentation. I will be posting this presentation in my Canvas course and I will email it out to parents the next day. In fact, for parents that don't attend back to school night, I send them a personal email saying that I was sorry they were not able to attend, but here's the handout and presentation that I shared. And I give them the opportunity to, to reach out to me if they have any questions. So back to the presentation. In the presentation, I, can, I include some additional links and videos maybe to support the mathematical practices, or the tips that are in the handout, or any other resources I think that the parents might uh, find useful. But I'm very careful not to include too much in the presentation because I don't want people, parents to be overwhelmed with too, too much information. As a parent myself, especially when my kids were in middle school and high school, all that information thrown at me in under an hour can be overwhelming. 
So I want to make sure that parents get just the most important nuggets from me that they can then uh, refer back to after the, after the night is over. All right, so now, now let's talk about room environment. I know some teachers go to, um, go to the nth degree to make their room just super beautiful and over the top for back to school night. I don't. I, don't. I do, however, wanna make sure that parents feel welcome when they enter my classroom. So I do this in a number of ways. I make sure that student work is displayed and I make sure that the display is representative of the types of work students will be doing throughout the year in my class. I never post tests, worksheets, or completion charts, like star charts for every student that knows their times tables or, or anything like that. I do not want anything up on the walls that might make another child feel badly or a parent to feel badly because their student is not achieving as another student may be. Now, while I like to keep the tables and chairs in their everyday positions, I'm also conscious of creating extra standing room around the edges of the classroom to accommodate all the guests who will be squeezing in. Since my district has parents and siblings and the students attending back to school night, I may have two to three times the normal number of people squeezing into my room. So I wanna be really mindful of the traffic patterns in the classroom and make sure that I have room to move around as well. So now how do I spend my seven to 10 minutes that I have with parents? What do I do to be most impactful? What I don't do is read my presentation or my handout. Instead, just like during my regular class, I have an activity for them ready to go. When I taught uh, sixth grade science, I put rocks and minerals out on the tables with magnifying glasses and I let parents uh, examine the items and think about what they noticed and what they wondered about the samples. As a math teacher, I would sometimes put out the four fours activity. Four fours is an activity where you have to use four fours to find uh, different solutions. So for example, how could I put four fours together to make the number 16? Well, I could add them all. So four plus four plus four plus four would be 16. How could I get a zero? I could add four plus four, subtract four, and then subtract four. And now I have zero. You get the idea. This is just a fun way for parents to interact with their students. It's particularly fun when parents pull out their phones to start doing the math. One parent asked me if that was cheating and I said, not if it helps you. When I taught first grade, I put a bunch of objects on the table with a balance scale and some cubes and parents had to weigh the different objects and put them in order from, from lightest to heaviest. Other activities I've done in recent years include this or that. This or that is just a slide deck and each slide has a question and asks people to make a judgment which they would like, this or that. For example, tacos or hamburgers. Another example might be reading chapter books or reading graphic novels. Another example might be doing homework before dinner or after dinner. 
Each of the items I pick for my this or that are very intentional and lead to a short discussion on some aspect of either a classroom rule, procedure, or content. One this or that that I like to that I also like to include is cell phones or laptops. And that leads into a quick discussion on how parents can access their students' grades. With the uh, question with the this or that on chapter books versus graphic novels, I just stress the importance of reading and that it doesn't really matter what students are reading as long as they're reading every day. When I set up this or that, you'll notice there are no wrong answers. I want everything to be positive because we all have our opinions and having people share their opinions is a great way to build community. Now, if you wanna add a little tech twist, you could do this or that using Nearpod, Pear Dex, Creative, or Quizzes Polling. But however you do it, give your participants time to share their ideas and to share their reasoning. I've also used um, a short five question quiz using one of the online quizzing platforms. This can be a really fun way to get parents excited about the content that you're teaching. If you have questions that are subject related, or they could be related to classroom procedures or even the school history. But please don't waste time with a quiz about yourself, unless of course, students will be creating quiz questions about themselves. Then that could be a great way to build community. Personally, I love the quizzes platform because it's very versatile. It's easy for people to log in from their phones and there's not a lot of distractions within the platform itself. Just remember, when you're using online tools during back to school night, you've gotta be cognizant of time because time is short. It might take you too much time getting participants logged into the platform. If time is a big concern for you, paper is another fabulous alternative. And one of my favorite activities on paper is Frayer Your Child, similar to Frayer a Friend, which I described in a previous episode. In Frayer Your Child, parents or guardians complete, a, complete the four quadrants about their child. This is a great way for me to learn more about my students and it gets parents buy-in as well. Mrs. Edwards, a long-term sub, used Freyer Your Child with the parents of her English language arts students just last week. Her response, everyone loved it, a complete success, she said. Copies of Freyer Your Child are also available in the wakelet you'll find in the show notes. But regardless of the activity you choose, make it quick, interactive, and accessible to everyone, regardless of background or levels of education. And it should mirror a strategy you are already using in your class. All right, now let's talk about preparing your students for back to school night. I know that we publish a, publicize back to school night. We send home flyers and notices and parent reminders but it's also important to set aside time to talk with your students about what will happen at back to school night. I start by explaining the purpose and the importance of the evening and how I really want all of their parents to attend so that I could meet them and get to know them. I also explain the difference in formats between back to school night when students and parents follow a schedule 
versus open house where students and parents just uh, mingle in and out of classroom on their own time. Punctuality is very important at back to school night because 10 minutes, I'll be on to the next class. And if you're late, you might miss the presentation and activities for your particular class. I also explain the sign-in process and a little about the activities that we'll be doing together. That way, students are front-loaded and can easily help their parents navigate both the Google form and the activity. Finally, I have students practice introducing me to their parents and their parents to me. Since handshaking is currently problematic, we talk about posture, head tilting, and hand gestures as alternatives along with diction and voice as important elements during a greeting and introduction. Since we've already been practicing greetings each day as students enter my classroom, the only component we need to add is how to introduce their parents to me and me to their parents. The one thing I really stress in the introductions is that students use names and titles instead of just, this is my teacher. For example, I model, mom, this is my math teacher, Mrs. Earl. Mrs. Earl, this is my mom, Rosalind Weiss. Or, Mrs. Earl, this is my stepdad, Jose Garcia. This helps me form a personal connection with the parent immediately. I also encourage students to, to introduce their siblings or grandparents or whoever else has come with them to back to school night. So not only do the introductions help me get to know the parents, but it also helps the parents connect me to the subject I teach since they also will be meeting a lot of new faces tonight. Now, since we know that practice, or in this case, rehearsal, is an important part of the learning process, I have students role play introductions in groups of four. The roles are teacher, parent, student, and observer, with students rotating roles after each repetition. The observer role is particularly important because the observer provides the student with feedback or support as necessary. So now we're ready for back to school night. The room is set up, your activities are ready. I also make sure I dress up a little bit nicer than my everyday school clothes, just out of respect for both the students and parents in attendance. Now, I want to end this episode with a few cautionary tales based on some uncomfortable situations I've encountered at back-to-school nights over the years. Often, parents want to have personal conversations with you about their children. So I tread very carefully. If my response will be, some, will be a positive affirmation, say, yes, your student's doing a great job and it's a pleasure to have them in class, then I'll just say that and, and move on. But if I need to say, have a conversation with a parent and it's not gonna be 100% positive about their child, I don't do it in a public setting. Back to school night is not the time to have difficult conversations with parents or even serious conversations. I politely tell the parent that now is not a good time, but that I'm happy to set up a private meeting. If I have a moment, I'll try and schedule that meeting immediately, or I promise to send them an email the following day to work at a time that works for both of us. It's so important not to talk about a student in front of another student or in front of another student's parents. 
The last thing I want to talk about is making your presentation accessible to parents who speak other languages. In my district, a majority of the parents speak Spanish, but my Spanish is extremely limited. So during back to school night, I have a little workaround. I can either have another parent or student translate for me, or I can turn on closed captions in Google Meet. Let me share how that works. I open up my slides presentation and I open up a Google Meet. I share my slides through the Google Meet window. I then turn on closed captions and I go into the settings, captions, and I select the language that I want the captions translated into. Then as I'm talking, every single thing I say is translated into Spanish or whichever language I choose. Now you do have to be careful that all background noise will also be picked up and translated, but for the most part, it works really well and parents really appreciate it. But sometimes we're lucky enough that we get volunteers from the high school that will come and translate for us. It's great practice for them and it's another opportunity, opportunity for me to share how important bilingualism is. I really wish bilingualism had been stressed when I was growing up, although there's not much cause to use Yiddish nowadays. So I just want to end by reminding everyone that back to school night, while stressful, can also be an excellent opportunity to build community with the parents and guardians of your students. In the show notes, there's a link to my Wakelet collection, which contains links to some of the activities I've shared please feel free to make a copy and make them your own. If you have other ideas or templates that you've used for back to school night, please add them to the comments because we're always better together. As always, like and subscribe to this podcast. Building community needs to be intentional and we need to take advantage of every opportunity to include parents and guardians as critical members of our classroom communities. Thank you for listening.